on today's episode, we're going to be talking about what people think of when we mention Florida, and we don't mean Florida man. For most people, we're talking about iconic wildlife, our beaches, and a little bit of Disney and maybe the Space Center. Learn more on today's episode of Naturally Florida. Welcome to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. I'm Lara Milligan. And I'm Shannon Carnavali. This podcast is brought to you by UF IFAS Extension in Polk and Pinellas Counties. It is spring break in Florida. I don't know, Shannon, if you're seeing the flocks of people like we are here. I'm not seeing like a ton of touristy type people, but I've noticed that the people who live here are all going other places because it's spring break. Right. Yes. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about what Shin and I are calling iconic Florida. So what people think about Florida that perhaps aren't native Floridians. So we're going to be touching on several things, alligators, flamingos, all things at the beaches, Disney. Shannon, what am I missing? The Space Center. Center. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we mentioned iconic Florida with our cypress trees in our January episode. So I would say that this is slightly different. This is iconic Florida for, like Lara said, people who aren't here. So what right. do people around the country think of when they think of Florida, you know, beyond like Florida man? We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> what? That's so funny. I was looking at polls for what people think about with Florida and that was the number one result. Yeah. So yes. We're omitting that for this episode. Yes, yes. And Shannon and I, I know you guys can't see us, but we are rocking our flamingo gear. I've got my shirt on. Shannon's got her earrings on. So we are ready to dive in to today's episode. So where do you want to start, Lara? Which icon of Florida are we going to talk about first? I think, although we've done really two episodes, part one and two, on alligators, that is probably the number one thing that I hear about when I talk to people that don't live here they are very fearful of alligators. So let's just quickly touch on that. Again, we can reference our previous episode as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great place to start because first of all, they're our state reptile. They're on everything that has to do with Florida. They're always in the news, usually for terrible reasons, but they are there. So just a short recap of alligators. They used to be on the endangered species list. They have made a remarkable recovery. But they are still listed due to similarity of appearance to the American crocodile. Yes, and that's because the alligators and crocodiles look similar and the crocodiles are truly threatened at the federal level. So alligators are also protected just because they look the same. Yeah. So in summary for the alligators, again, you can go back to our episode, season one, episode six and seven. It was a two-parter, but never feed an alligator. If you don't want to be one of those people on the news, it's mm-hmm. a good, uh, good to keep in mind. Never feed an alligator. Stay away from the water and the water's edge, especially at dawn and dusk when they are most active and seeking food. Right. So we didn't want to spend too much time on alligators because we could not shut up about them before. (laughs) Um, So if you're interested, go listen to those two episodes. Again, season one, episode six and seven. They're they're pretty fun, in my opinion. Let's move on to my favorite one that we're going to talk about today. And that is the American Flamingo. They're just the coolest. As I always say, anything that's pink in nature to me is just cool. And if you're an animal that's pink, next level cool. Plus how so goofy sh- look in our flamingos. Beyond. <laughs> yes. Their, their bills are just ridiculous. 
So Shannon, I hear all the time, are they native? Are they not native? Mm -hmm. Where can we go to see them? So let's just answer all the things. Yeah. And and it's really, it's an interesting question because it didn't seem to matter to the marketing agencies that were marketing Florida to the rest of the country for the last hundred years. Uh, Flamingos are, they're on everything. I mean, they're in our Florida Lotto, they're on, you know, Miami Vice, like anything you think of that has to do with Florida, especially in the 60s, 70s and 80s, flamingos were everywhere. But how many Floridians have seen one in nature? Not it. I never have. I think I've seen one, but it could also be wishful thinking. I'm not really (laughs) sure. I, (laughs) we were fishing in Cedar Key and I looked up and I about fell out of the boat when I saw one fly over my head. And I swear it was a flamingo because they're one of my favorite species. I'm pretty confident that I was right about that, but they're just, they're not common. And so you're right. The question comes up is like, if you do see one, didn't they just escape from the zoo? That's what everyone assumes. They came from the zoos. But I am so happy to report that in the last few years, there has been a huge consensus among the ecologists in Florida, starting with researchers from Zoo Miami, because they're like, don't blame this on us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That flamingos are now designated as a native species in Florida. If you go to the Florida Fish and Wildlife website under flamingo, specifically the American flamingo, it will say native. And I love that for them. They're so, ex- I'm so excited. I'm, I don't think they're excited, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> and so they are native. They're thought to be native to very, very South Florida, maybe the Everglades area. There are some primary sources back in the 1800s that claim to have seen flamingos and hunted them even north of Tampa and into the panhandle. So mm-hmm. there was all this evidence that we thought they were native but they disappeared for such a long time that it was like, ah, eh, are they really? Yeah, you no, know, I looked at some of the, the research that you did on that, which was super, super cool. Some Audubon journal entries and, well, some other stuff about hunting them that we won't go into. Not as exciting stuff. But yeah, that was, when it said north of Tampa, I was like, that's me. That's so cool. Yes, the primary source about hunting was from George Archibald McCall, and that was December 1827. We're not going to get into that. But it is available on Google Books for anyone who's interested. But I do want to read a little sentence or two from John Audubon's Plate 431 about the American flamingo, because I think it catches the awe that a lot of people feel when they see a flamingo. And he said, far away to the seaward, we spied a flock of flamingos advancing with well-spread wings, outstretched necks, and long legs directed backwards. Ah, reader. Could you but know the emotions that agitated in my breast? And I feel like you can just hear the excitement in the words that he chose. And I know I would be just as excited if I saw a flamingo in person. Yes, that was very well written. There are all kinds of primary resources that you can read about flamingos in the 1800s in Florida. So it just leads to this decision that was made that, yes, they are native. They're starting to come back in different uh, groupings at different times of the year. They're still abundant in the Caribbean. But I feel like when most people think they see a flamingo, what do you think they're actually looking at, Lara? It's very likely the roseate spoonbill, which is another very cool pink bird. I love spoonies. They are adorable um, in the weirdest, ugliest kind of way. And and they have bright, bright pink feathers. They're, They're smaller than flamingos, but they're just as awkward, but in their own way. Yes. Anytime I see a, a pink bird in the sky, 
I mean, obviously, I know it's most likely a spoonbill, but it's still very exciting. Super exciting. And they both get that pink coloration from the same source, the crustaceans and other aquatic invertebrates that have, we touched on this with our tree episode, I think, carotenoids, similar pigmentation idea with coloration, um, but it helps turn their feathers pink. Absolutely. And the American flamingo is the pinkest of the greater flamingos in the world. They can also be up to about five feet tall. So we're talking a very large bird. The spoonbill, I believe, stands at less than three feet tall, if memory serves correctly. And their head is less pink than a flamingo is. They've got more of a whitish head, bright pink feathers that you can see as they're flying overhead. And they're stunning. Also super cool, I think should be an icon of Florida as well. Yes, I agree. I know. I just read that they bald as they get older. Like instead of losing hair, they lose their feathers. Oh. Poor spoonbills. I know. It's fine. They'll be fine. They're still pretty. Silly spoonies. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Shannon obviously could do a whole episode on flamingos, but we're going to talk about other beach species that are kind of iconic to Florida. We have the manatee, sea turtles, and then what probably most people think about are palm trees. So where do we we want to start, Shannon? Let's start with the manatee because they're so lovable and I, know. I did not realize how far they migrated every summer. <laughs> so Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. I feel like I learned a lot when you were pulling together the information for this section of the podcast. So why don't you start with manatees? Okay. So yes, you might be familiar with manatees moving towards what they would call quote unquote warmer waters in the winter, which I always thought was very bizarre when they're like, the manatees are moving into the springs. I'm like, springs are freezing, so this makes no sense. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the other surrounding waters in the ocean do get colder than the springs. So that's why people will flock to springs to see manatees, um, as well as power plant discharge sites that's put emitting warmer waters. So there's several sites through the Florida Fish and Wildlife website. I think Shannon's going to touch on some of the sites as well later, where you can go to see manatees during the winter months where yeah. they congregate in warmer waters. And that's where I really became aware of manatees as a as a local Floridian. My dad worked for Florida Power and Light. And so we would go have picnics in the winter because, you know, that's our best weather. Um, we'd go have picnics over at the power plant he worked at with FPL and go watch all the manatees. And they've actually turned that site that we used to picnic at into an eco-discovery center really highlighting the manatee and they've provided a viewing platform. It's a really great location to go to. So there are some other amazing places that you can see manatees around the state, including the Tico Manatee Viewing Center in Apollo Beach. You can see them at a variety of state parks that have to do with our springs, like Blue Springs, Wakulla Springs, Fanning Springs. And then you can also see them in some of our wildlife refuges, like the Crystal River National Wildlife Refuge and the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. Yes. And Shannon mentioned when we started talking about manatees, she didn't realize like how far that they, quote unquote, migrated. So during the warmer months, you know, they're going to, they have all the warm water that they can navigate and they can go as far north as Massachusetts, which is just insane. Like, yeah, yeah, mind boggling. (laughs) More commonly like Georgia and the Carolinas and as far west as even Texas. So they can travel quite far. And I will say, despite them being called sea cows and being generally (laughs) slow, they can move quick. And I have seen this 
myself. If they hear a very loud noise or something startles them, they can, in short bursts, they can move pretty quickly, up to 15 miles per hour is what has been documented. Um, but this is another state species that we're talking about. This is our mm -hmm. state marine mammal since 1975. So a lot of our iconic species are also our state. And this is another one that's listed as federally threatened. Yes, thank you. That's an important piece <laughs> to mention. <laughs> so in addition to going to some of the places that Shannon mentioned for viewing, if you do happen to see them anywhere that you are, it's really important. As Shannon mentioned, they are protected. And so we encourage looking and not touching in any way, shape, or form. And if you are in the water and see them, we encourage and advise that we don't pursue them. If they come close to you and you're standing still, that's one thing, but we are not approaching the manatees when we see them. Right, right. You do not want to be accidentally harassing them when they're trying to get as many calories as they can because it's winter. Right. So, and we'll include some additional resources for the manatee in the show notes, but I think that's a good segue to another threatened and endangered species that we have, which are our sea turtles. Yeah, we have five species of sea turtles found here in Florida, and they all nest here. We have the loggerhead, the green, the leatherback, Kemp's Ridley, and the hawksbill. And they are all listed in some form at the federal level as threatened or endangered. Florida is known as a nesting site. Anywhere from mm -hmm. 40 to over 84,000 nests annually along the Florida coast. So you're very likely to encounter sea turtles in some way, shape, or form. I think what right. we really wanted to emphasize here is when you do encounter them is, again, best to leave them alone. Watch from a distance. I know it's very tempting to try and rescue a baby hatchling sea turtle, but just don't. Just let it do its thing. Only one in 1,000 sea turtles survive to adulthood. So it's important that we just let them do their business and not interfere. Yeah, we all want that Instagram picture, but leave them on the beach. Let them go on to do their little journey across the ocean. And when we're talking about sea turtles and beaches and the ocean and Florida, people think of palm trees, right, Lara? 100%. <laughs> yeah, and there's a particular palm tree that we talk about all the time here, and that's the coconut palm. And unfortunately, you know, as much as we all love coconut palms and the things we get from coconut palms, in South Florida, they are considered an invasive species. But that's not to say that all palm trees are a problem and that all problem palm trees are a problem statewide. We also have native palm trees that are amazing, like the cabbage palm. The sable palmetto is its scientific name, and it's our state tree. Yes, and I think Shannon outlined it very well. This is another thing where if you're native to Florida, that's probably the palm you think about is the sable palm or cabbage palm. And if you're not, you're probably thinking of the coconut palm. Unfortunately, they are not native and, like Shannon said, considered invasive in South Florida. But not everybody is coming to Florida to see coconut palms and to see the beaches. So we wanted to also highlight some other amazing places that you can go to see natural Florida. Yeah. And when we start to think about what people think about Florida for as, as far as locations are concerned, there are two very major tourist attractions that I think of when I think of Florida. And those are Walt Disney World and the Kennedy Space Center. And you might be thinking, why are we talking about those on a podcast called Naturally Florida? Those are <laughs> huge development type things. And, you know, depending on how you look at it, they're causing pollution and it's all kinds of craziness. But, you know, both organizations have a big commitment towards conservation and natural resources, which is what we really wanted to encourage people to think about when they visit those locations. 
And those places are the Disney Wilderness Preserve, which is managed by the Nature Conservancy. And we've got two natural areas around the Kennedy Space Center that are preserved and are available for people to visit. And that is the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge and the Canaveral National Seashore. And these are three different ways that you can experience natural Florida, even if you're coming to the state just to go to Disney or the Space Center. Yeah, and Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge is only about 60 miles east of Orlando. So like Shannon said, even if you're going to Disney, doesn't mean you have to just only see Disney. You can venture out and see some of these natural areas. And the wildlife refuge is massive. It's 140,000 acres. And it provides habitat. It's been documented over um, 1,500 species of plants and animals. And of those 15 that are federally listed species. So a critically important and amazing place to visit. And the Disney Wilderness Preserve, similar. It's a much smaller area, um, only about 11,000 acres. But it's open from 9.30 to 4.30 most days of the week, just south of Kissimmee. So definitely check those out if you guys are visiting Florida or if you want to have a little staycation. Yeah. And all those locations that we mentioned, they have guided hiking tours. They've got fishing at the, um, at the wildlife refuge, all sorts of activities you can do. So like if you're not a hiker, that's okay. They have visitor centers where you can just learn about stuff in the air conditioning. Um, they've got tours, a, a whole variety of things you can do with your family. Yeah, so I think that's a great way to wrap up our iconic Florida episode. Hopefully what you've taken away is that a lot of iconic Florida is threatened or imperiled or endangered in some way, shape, or form. And so, again, whether you're visiting or you're a Floridian yourself just doing a staycation, it's important that we do our part to respect wildlife, view them from a safe distance, don't harass them in any way, shape, or form. And, of course, we want you to enjoy your visit and be able to see some of these species. So. I think that's it. We'll wrap it up and we will catch you all in our next episode. Thanks for listening to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. Stay updated on new episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Naturally Florida is produced by your hosts, Shannon Carnavali, Lara Milligan. If you have questions or suggestions, submit them online at naturallyfloridapodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Extension, an equal opportunity institution. Thank you for listening. <laughs>